conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. I produce events, not drama. I may be Andy's right hand. No, it's, it's, it's. I may, I may be Andy's number two, but I wrote all three of his books. <gasps> Wait, is that okay. good? Does that count? Is that Every good? I just started laughing as soon as you, you said You did. That. I, I messed thought, it up because of you. No, it's your I fault. thought you were going to make 
number two, because here's the problem. Is you thought I was going to make a bathroom pl- joke? I thought you were going to make a pooping joke, so I was ready Girl, for it. Girl, I have class. <laughs> I don't, and I that's ha- where we are. Yeah, You guys, it's Andy's Girls. You know the show that you're listening to. It's episode 127. That seems like a lucky number. <laughs> it is a very... It's the best lu- episode that's been on Andy's it Girls. Is, I can already tell you. It's actually sort of the series premiere of Andy's Girls. It's not even a season premiere. It's a resetting. It's yeah. a new chapter. You're being reborn. I, reborn today with mm-hmm. none other than Darren Karp, the host of Martinis and Murder, which, guys, is like the most high-rated podcast, I believe, of all time of yeah, ever. any podcast in any genre. Move over, Joe Rogan. I mean... <laughs> it's Darren fucking Carp. Listen, he's an experience. Yes, um, he is. And, that he is. And you are the host of a show that's holding a live show mm-hmm. at the Wilbur in Boston on Halloween night. So yes. many things happening for Darren Carp. And P.S., you. you may also know her Bravoholics as the OG of the AC. Yeah. So, yes. Wow. I've never been called OG of the AC, but I guess that's right. I mean, it does. That's, kind That's of right. Yeah, that fits. So, Darren Carp, I'm so excited to have you on the People's People's Couch. Yes, People's People's. This is so magical. So, first off, yeah. I met you sort of okay. at the Uh-oh. Bravoholics event. Yes. At That's right. Bravo HQ. I was one of the uh, liaisons a- between uh, you guys and Bravo, essentially. <laughs> you were holding They needed back. like people who were like fun to be like, can you help usher some Bravo talent and these amazing Bravoholics? And I was like, yeah, sure. All these guys are my friends anyway. You moderated a panel with the EP of Atlanta, Atlanta. Yeah. the EP of Watch What Happens. Yeah, Deirdre. Mm-hmm. And somebody else. And the head of development, I believe, Rachel Smith. Um, right, was that's part the of person Bravo. to forget. Yes, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, was I good? You were so good. So I was like, note to self, Darren Carp, because I cannot call you one name, you must be both. Okay, I'm getting comfortable now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stretch out. I'm stretching, baby. <laughs> I was like, she has to be on Andy's Girl. So I'm so excited that you're here. I'm glad you reached out. I really appreciate it. I was on vacation when you reached out. So I'm sorry if my response was delayed in any sort of way. You are maybe the most professional guest that has ever appeared. And I've had, sorry, apologies to all like the Bravo labs. You are essentially sort of a Bravo lab yourself. Wow, that is, I've, I've, I'd like to think that I was, I, I, I say I'm fame adjacent. Well, you are, I mean, you've done a lot of video series. You've done a lot of Bravo specific content yeah. on all the Bravo channels. I've been on- there for nine years. Been with him for almost nine years. So it's, I've been there a long time. So can we, let's just like dive in. Sure. Tell me your Bravo journey. What happened? How did this get started? What's what's happening? Well, Darren Carp 101. You want to go? I need the pre-Darren Carp 101 like basic level course like I need that yeah. basic level tap class that I failed out of at Broadway dance we'll go, we'll go slow with you okay great we'll go slow use little words um okay, yes very, not big words at all and curse <laughs> a lot is what she told me I right before I was like you can call anybody a con I was like thank god I need to say <laughs> content I, I have it in my rider that I have to say cunt every single podcast appearance so this is good my therapist this week PS was like said something and she was like something something and you know cunt is the worst possible word that can ever be used and I looked at her with such fear no like it a isn't deer about to be hit by a car because I was like I don't know how to tell her that it's one of my favorite it's words it's so like a stress reliever to say it right? I mean I'm a cursing type of person Ditto. like it's sort of like part of my brand I guess you know I just I grew up with it being they're, they're just words I mean like yeah, yeah. and listen let me just say for the record I've been called a faggot before like I've been called <gasps> dyke like I've been called 
quote unquote bad names but at the same time like it's just a word to me and so as long as you're not physically harming me I'm okay with pretty much anything yeah word. I've never used those other <laughs> yeah you're not calling people faggots okay that's good okay we're we're good as long as you're not calling me that I'm oh okay oh my god it's on my bucket list but needless to say even if you called me a cunt I wouldn't be like it would take a lot to offend me I mean, I really sort of reserve that word for Tamara Judge, but we'll get to it. Well, oh, we'll get I've, to it. So wait, so let's go back. Yes. Bravo okay. Journey. Nine years ago, you woke up and yes. you were like a new day has I, been born. A new day. Uh, I had sort of a weird uh, journey to get to Bravo. So I was an NBC page. Do you know what that <gasps> is? Of course I do. Okay. So it's like Kenneth from 30 Rock, you know, and yes. I always wanted to be a game show host and I applied when I was in um, college to be. Co- I was, Where did you go to school? I went to Lafayette College and I was like a neuroscience psych major. My God. I uh, wanted to be a therapist as like a backup plan if case entertainment didn't work out for me. So I, I knew I had, a, I was kind of smart. So I knew I had something to kind of fall back on that it was genuinely interested in like I am genuinely interested in I was really good at math and science um, but I always wanted to be in entertainment and I had I had interned at CNBC like two years in a row at college and uh, I got into the page program I I looked up honestly just like game show hosts that I loved and how they got started and a couple of them uh, were NBC pages Regis Philbin one of the more famous ones Uh, Gene Rayburn who used to hold match game was also an NBC page so I looked it up, I applied, and uh, long story short, I got in, obviously. And so when I was doing that, back in the day, like 10 years ago, when I was a page in 2010, it was rolling. So you could be a page for three weeks, or you could be a page for nine months, and you could oh. leave at any time within that year. Now you have to stay the full year. Right. So I don't want any of your fans thinking it's it's like that anymore, because it has changed. Yeah. Um, and so when I got in... I was a page for about eight and a half months. I worked at Sci-Fi, I worked at MSNBC, and I worked at SNL. And I just loved being a page. I mean, to be honest with you, it was like a dream job for me. It really was like, oh my God, this was the exact job I wanted. And like, I came in just thinking, you know, that I was so great. And then you realize that you're with 50 and 60 other pages that are just even greater, you know, than you, if not equal status. So it sort of humbled me. And it was my good first foray into entertainment Uh, and it being really cutthroat because I never really had any experience. I didn't go, there was no communications major at my college. It was really, really small. I had a radio show and that was about it. Um, it's called Harpin Carpin, uh, <laughs> you know, me just complaining. Um, and oh when God, I got dream. in, I was like, that's great. And I had been a page for about eight and a half months and this job came out because pages usually get the jobs funneled to them first within NBC. I mean, you're sort of bred to be the next, you know, level of executive at NBC. I mean, that's sort of the reason that they have the program and it's really prestigious and they sort of trust those candidates cause they've already been vetted. You know, right. you go through like 12 rounds of interviews. Jesus. So uh, this job came out to be the production development coordinator. Coordinator is like the entry level kind of position. It's kind of like an assistant uh, Mm -hmm. at at NBC and uh, be the production development coordinator. And I would assist the head of Bravo development and production, which was this guy named Andrew Cohen at the time. Oh my God. I think I've heard of that. I don't know. They should have a podcast called Andrew's Girls. I'm going to call. I'm going to create that. I like it's for the more formal Andy's Girls. It's for the professional. It is. The professional. (laughs) Uh, and so the job came out, my page bosses sort of brought me in and I had been really vocal about what I wanted to do. And, yeah, good for you. um, you know, I'd said I wanted to be a game show host and there weren't really any assignments, you know, to go on game shows or to be talent in any sort of way. Mm-hmm. You know, it was more like PR and marketing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they brought me in and they were like, listen, there's this guy and he is running development and production at Bravo and he's got his own show. He was only on like one or two nights a week. I mean, this was early days. He wasn't as famous Andy Cohen as he is now he Mm -hmm. was just starting kind of out Mm -hmm. and uh you know they were like he's got a great personality you know his Rolodex would be great for you and we think that you would fit in 
And I said, no, uh, I want to be, I don't want to be an assistant. I look down on that. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I was like, I I look down on it and I want to go be a reporter in like bumfuck Idaho and like work my way up because that's how it really was done back in the day. I mean, a little bit before my time, but that's how people got on air. Like they would work in the smaller markets increase 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 Mm -hmm. I also wasn't the biggest pop culture junkie I really liked news I liked a little bit harder stuff not Mm -hmm. politics necessarily but just more than just pop culture I didn't uh, live and eat it so I missed the deadline to apply Um, and you know little did I know that like VPs were applying for this job like every page was applying for this job like I really had no idea I mean ignorance is bliss in this regard so a week went by I think they brought me back in and they were like listen if you don't want to do this totally up to you we're not going to force you but you don't really have anything else going on right now you're not applying to anything else you're about eight and a half months in you've done the tour route you've done your assignments they were like honestly of all the jobs that we could place you with from the page program this feels like the right one for you you know he does a variety show he does uh you know a version of kind of what you want to do in your future and he would be a great mentor for you so I thought about it and I was like, listen, you're right. I don't really have anything else going on. Like throw my hand in the ring. Like, let's just see. You know, I don't have to take it if I get it. And like the idea of me getting it was far long shot anyway. Little did I know how far along it was actually going to be. Because again, like VPs were applying for this job. Jesus. So I had four rounds of interviews, two with HR, one with his previous assistant and then one with him. And by like the second HR interview, I wanted it. You know, it was like, okay, I'm applying for a job that seems really good. And they see something in me that I don't see in myself. And it was a big lesson learned for me. Um, So I did the HR interviews. I met with his previous assistant. Then finally, I get to meet with Andy. And again, I never watched Bravo. Never watch Bravo once. Mm. The night before my interview with Andy, I said, watch what happens live in the mirror maybe 400 times because it didn't roll off the tongue. It wasn't like <laughs> the Tonight Show, the Today right. Show. Like I didn't grow up with watch what happens live. So I didn't have that in my nomenclature. I didn't know what it was. I watched a couple clips online, like never saw a Housewives episode. I had to research what was on Bravo. And uh, so I was like, all right, as long as I get a show title right, you know. So I basically sit down with him. And he has a huge corner office, you know, and, and I'm starting to sort of realize like how important he is, you mm-hmm. know, and he was like, what's your favorite Robert show? What's your least favorite Robert show and why? And I'm like, fuck, like these are the last questions, you know, I can answer anything except this. So I'm like, how am I going to answer this honestly, right. authentically, right. but also um, not show all of my cards about how like I couldn't care about Bravo. Totally. So I said, my favorite show on Bravo is Inside the Actor's Studio, which I think he was a little surprised about. Uh, and Millionaire Matchmaker with Patty Stanger. Again, this is 10 years ago when she was on air. And I said, because it teaches me what to do on dates with women. So I was like, let me throw in the gay thing. <laughs> I was like, we're family. You know, I was like, let me throw it in. And he was like, okay. You know, I think he was like a little confused by that because I think a lot of people would have said his show. You know, and like <laughs> catered to him. You know, yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people kiss people's asses. Sure. And, and I, you know, being ignorant, like had literally no idea to even say it. And he was like, oh, okay, like, what's your least favorite show? And I said, all the housewives. And his jaw, like, was agape. And, I, and, you know, and I sort of realized, like, as it was coming out of my mouth, how fucking stupid I was by saying this. And I was like, all the housewives. He's like, why? And I was like, well, I can't really relate to them. You know, I was 22 at the time. I didn't make a lot of money. You know, watching, for me, like, watching people that made a lot of money and sort of were doing these, like, uh, outrageous things, for me, it was really hard to watch. Uh, It reminded me of sort of what I didn't have. It wasn't aspirational to me Mm. at the time. Yeah. And I guarantee I'd never seen any of the housewives either. I mean, most of them don't have money. Well, (laughs) well, that might be the case now. (laughs) I mean... Um, 
you know, and they didn't, they, Dallas was in existence, Potomac, yeah. I mean, this yeah, was yeah, when yeah. DC was still a thing, Miami oh, was still God. on, this was a long time ago. Back in the day. Back in the day, the good old days, and he was like, okay, like, I think he was very confused by me, and I used to do these fake stock reports for CNBC and PBS where I interned, and he made me get up in front of him <gasps> and do a fake stock report. Oh, that feels like so- it was terrifying. I mean, thank God I was so dumb. Like, because if I, now knowing what I know, I would have been way too nervous and overthink it way too much. Like, I'm glad I was just like, I'm almost sort of happy I didn't want it because that made me relax about yeah. the interview, which Completely. I think is something I also really learned. So I was like, okay, give me a stock. And he was like, Bausch and Loam. So I bullshitted for like 30 seconds on a stock report. No idea what the fuck I was saying. And he laughed. And that was pretty much it. And I left the interview and I was like, there's just no chance I get this. Like, there's just no chance. Like, I literally not only flubbed an ad-libbed stock, but I basically insulted his bread and butter saying, I don't like it. And I was like, whatever, it's meant to be, it's meant to be. A week later, get an email that I actually got the job. Holy shit. And I emailed him and I was like, you know, thank you so much. And months later, after I had sort of acclimated, I asked him, I was like, I want to know, like, why did you take me? I really thought I had no chance at getting this. And he said... Two things. He said, you were the only person to ever make me laugh in an interview. <gasps> and he said, you were really honest. And I felt like I got you. And I, and I need someone who's going to be honest to me and not just someone who's going to, you know, kowtow to me every two seconds. And, you know, and now in hindsight, now having been with him for nine years, I also think he didn't want someone flipping out every time Ramona Singer, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kelly Ripper right. was going to come through the office. I'm representing him. And he doesn't want someone who's going to be like, can we take a picture? You know, can we do this? Like, he just wants someone to be like, sure, meetings down the hall. Like, let me take you. Do you want some water? Do you want some coffee? Like, totally normal. And you know, by sort of being ignorant, I guess I really played that part. Um, and, uh, it's been, it's been an incredible journey and I'm just so happy that my page bosses and him saw something that I didn't see in myself at the time. And I've learned so much. And to be honest with you, I can't imagine now, like not getting the job and where I would be. And so you have worked for him for nine years. Yeah. It'll be nine years in March. So eight and a half, nine. Yeah. And so that started obviously as like a job or maybe as a coordinator with Bravo. Yeah. And now since he's left the development position, but is still executive producing and he's obviously he has his own talk show, which is a huge fucking success. Yes. His talent. Yes. Who do you work? F- do you work for his production company? So now? the way it worked was, you know, when I started off, I was, you know, meetings and we were in the office every day. Right. I worked eight to seven. Like I was I was, you know, doing everything that you would imagine a very corporate life would be. Yeah. Um, and about three years into the job. Uh, he said to me, you know, and he knew, he knew what I wanted to do, but right. I also was made sure he knew I was priority. I wasn't like the first day I wasn't like, can I get a game show on air? Like this, this is the reason I think that we get along so well yeah. is I respect his, uh, I respect him as a person and I yeah. respect sort of what, what my place is. Yeah. Three years into it, um, you know, he was going five nights a week. And it was, was a big deal. And he didn't really have the bandwidth at that point to also be an executive at Bravo because being an executive of development and production is a massive job. I mean, we have over 500 hours of original programming. I mean, it's not, it's not a part-time thing. Like if you're going to do that, it has to be full-time. And with him going five nights a week and being live at 11, having everything going on, he was writing books at the time. uh, He decided to sort of just take the executive producer role of his show and housewives. And so he brought me into his office and he had sort of hinted at me that something big was going to happen. And I just said to him, I was like, tell me when the time is right, but I just want to know if I have to look for a new job. And he was like, no, you're going to be fine. Like, don't worry about it. I will tell you if something's going to go down. 
which I really appreciated because I didn't want him to, you know, a lot of people uh, in this industry, extremely cutthroat. I mean, mm. they would just leave me high and dry, Yeah, you know, and just be like, well, that's my decision. And you kind of fend for yourself. Yeah. You know, I'm lucky enough that Bravo is such an incredible network and they have always been incredible to me. Um, but uh, so he invites me into his office when the decision happens. And he's like, listen, he's like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm leaving Bravo. I'm still going to be on as executive. Um, you have two options. He said, you can still be the coordinator of production development and assist me as well as the head of production and development who was coming in. This woman named Lara, who was a lesbian, I knew very, very well. So I had a good relationship with as her. Lesbian. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, the one other lesbian in this company? Great. Um, he said, or you can leave with me and we can run the world together. Jesus Christ. I, I, I think I thought about it for maybe yeah. half a second. Totally. And I said, great, thanks. Let me think about it. Oh, wait, I thought about it. I'm going to go run the world with you. Didn't take, I mean, when you get an offer like that from Andy Cohen. No, you take it. I mean, really from anyone, anyone who's your mentor, you take it. And, you know, you're sort of young enough to not really have to think about health insurance. You're not really thinking about it. And so when that happened, I became a uh, a contractor for NBC. So I'm technically like a, not a full-time employee. I don't get like health insurance from NBC, but I sort of work now at the production company that puts on Watch What Happens Live, which is a Sony production. So technically I'm a Sony employee, um, but I still have offices in 30 Rock and I get to work out of there. And because I've sort of established myself in my own way as sort of this high profile assistant, um, I get hired now to do all these like fun web series and I'm, you know, the BravoCon correspondent and uh, Bravo now sees me as not just Andy's assistant, but really talent on my own right. Uh, So it was a really great decision for me, uh, but it definitely took some getting used to because I lost my 401k and I lost my health insurance for about a year which we were talking about before how fucking expensive it is you know it's like rent um and so I kind of had to rearrange and thank god I was young enough and didn't have a family or anything like that that I could do that so what is your day-to-day like with him now um it changes all the time I mean basically I'm after you know eight and a half nine years um I I think I've proven myself to him and we have such a good relationship that I I mean I've been involved with him in every single aspect of his life that he doesn't care why I am I mean I don't have to show up at work at 8 a.m anymore you know I come in when I kind of want I work all the time yeah um but because he isn't he isn't, you know, having me schedule all these meetings. The job itself is sort of like a part-time, full-time job because he now has, I mean, I know, like he asked me to do something. What it would have taken me an hour, seven years ago, I know that person immediately. I have a good relationship with them. I can make it happen in two seconds. So it's really, my job now is probably 30% him, 70% my own career. And so does he have someone else on the team that's doing the scheduling stuff? Like nope. How- You're looking at her. Wait a second. Yeah. So... How this worked was, yeah. what I was thinking was that he hired additional people to no. be support and you were taking on an executive role, assisting him, which is really less assisting him and like working with him, production personal. Yeah, I'm not like a manager. Calls me his chief of staff sometimes. It's oh, like a yeah. joke. No, yeah. no, no, but that's true. I mean, like Oprah has a chief of staff. Like, well, that that's what sense. he said. And he was like, Hillary has a chief of staff. Oprah has a chief of staff. Chelsea has a chief of staff. I need a chief of staff. And I was like, okay, even though there's no staff to chief, it's literally me and him and I ain't chiefing him. Um, But yeah. So he does his own schedule. Am I understanding this correctly? No, I do it all. I do it all. You do it all. You just take up so much less time yeah. to do it and so that has, opens you up to correct. do other shit correct like my hours now aren't corporate like when you leave corporate and you have to be at the office from 8 30 to 6 30 and you know at your computer and eat lunch at your desk now it's sort of like 
when he has something, first off, I know priority of things. Like I know what I have to get to immediately and maybe what could wait till tomorrow. But like now, I mean, I can work from wherever. I have the office downtown where our studio is and I have the office at 30 Rock and I can work out of his apartment if I wanted to. And I sort of just know how to do things so much easier now than I used to that I can sort of condense my work. What would have taken me eight hours? I can do it in like four. Jesus. So here's an Andy Cohen style question. What's been your rose and thorn? Of, of working with him? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, the thorn has probably been that, well, I hate booking his travel. I always say I hate oh booking God. his travel because it's his time to relax and I don't want to fuck it up. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier when you can blame like a production company for things. Totally. But when it's a personal thing, you know, when he goes on these really great extravagant vacations, um, I get really nervous about screwing anything up for him. I just, he deserves vacation. He deserves the time to relax more than anyone I know. And I just... I, it, I'm just ner- I've never fucked up but I, I get nervous my own self so I would say that's kind of my thorn and maybe just that um, you know I mean it's when you're with Andy you you sort of can lose your own identity you know mm-hmm. like how much of me is Andy's assistant and then how much of me is Darren Karp mm-hmm. and I'm sort of like struggling with that right now and, I, and I've done I think a pretty good job of, of being Darren Karp but I, I I don't necessarily recognize myself as anything but his assistant and so that psychologically it can be a little difficult for me the rose has been I mean working with Andy Cohen and 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 being with him I mean he's truly like I say this all the time but I actually mean it like he's a incredible person and he's so smart and I couldn't ask for any better mentor he cares about me he's been there for me like he has said to me like you know I've presented opportunities which would take me away from the office and he was like take it He's like, I want you to grow. Like, I also want, I don't want to lose you and I want to give you the space to grow without having to lose you. You know, he said to me, I knew about him having a child about a year before anybody knew. Mm. And, uh, you know, he was like, the reason I want to give you your space is so you don't leave me. No boss, especially famous, is ever going to say that to anyone. I mean, he's truly a gem of a man and just... I call him my father and my brother and my kid all in the same time, depending on what we're doing. And, you know, he's, we joke around. We have such a good relationship now. I mean, like I could see him being the officiant in my, in my wedding, you know, and and that's really like how, how it's come to be. And we've had this close relationship when I was, um, speaking of the the terrible words when I was called a faggot and hate crimes it actually happened in the office and I went into his office I don't I'm not like a cry. I just like startled I yeah just, she stood up I she just... stood up um I don't cry or anything like that at work like I always say it's 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 a PR not ER no one's dying in television you know I'm not responsible for saving anybody's life um but when I was called that I went into his office and I was like shaking and I was like I'm really sorry but I have to cry right now in your office in the comfort of this. And I need you to just sit there. And he was like, oh, my God, what is happening? And he, like, embraced me. He took me into his arms. We talked about it. He wanted to write this woman a letter. Like, he he was like, he was like I'm getting you a massage. I want you to take a week off. Like, I want you to do this. Like, he was so fatherly to me in that moment. And it was such an impactful moment for me. And I'll, I'll always love him for it. Wait a second let's that's wonderful but yes let's let's rewind a little bit somebody that worked at bravo or nbc no it was a. Uh, it was uh, i dated this girl who was a, a southern baptist from alabama that should pretty much tell you all you need to know and she was coming out to her mother she went home for the holidays oh fuck came was gonna come out for me uh to her mother and i got a call as i was giving out <gasps> these staff christmas gifts that oh, andy gets God. everyone and i'm like dee, dee, dee. you know it's holidays everyone's like really excited you know and and i get a call and it's from you know I thought it was from her. So I picked up. I was like, hey, babe, like so excited. I'm just like a very positive. It was her mother. And 
you know, and she was like, she ripped me. I mean, she threatened my life. She told me she was going to blow my faggot head off. Like she had a shotgun. She knew where I lived. Um, all on the phone. Yeah. And I was like, Merry Christmas to you. I'm sure God loves you. And uh, I heard my girlfriend in, at the time crying in the background and she made her get on the phone and say that she chose her mother over me. And I mean, it's not funny. No, no. I mean, it's, it, you know, but look, she at, sounds like a real peach. Yeah. She, a real gem. I mean, you know, God loves those types of people. I'm oh sure, God. you know, like that person's going to go to heaven over me. Right. Um, it was pretty bad. I mean, it was more shocking than anything else. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is I wasn't really a victim. Like the girlfriend was the victim because I got to go back into Andy Cohen's office at Watch What Happens Live at Bravo and have all the support system I could possibly have. I mean, but you also have feelings in this person. Yeah, but I mean, like, you. yeah, she did. But again, like I'm not I wasn't it didn't make me question being gay. It really made me que- it, what made me so sad was that um this girl's name was Evan, that Evan had to uh, have a parent that literally cared more about their religion than her. And that's horrible. Horrible. Have you been out your entire experience? Like working? sexual career? <laughs> uh, How much of that is part-time? Yeah, I know. Like, um, exactly. Have you point. been out to Andy since you started work? Like, has that... I, mean, I came out to him in the interview with him. So, <gasps> yeah, you know. You did? Yeah, because I was like, Millionaire Matchmaker teaches me what to do with dates on women, you know? And I was like... We're gay. Which, P.S., what does it teach you aside from, like, don't have curly hair? That's it the literally only lesson was, that I learned. It was only supposed to be funny. You know what I mean? Because yeah, he yeah. knew that it was like, Patty Styers, you knew about, you know, like, I, I meant it as sort of a way to slip in the gay thing while also just being funny, you know? Um, and it, and it, I guess it worked. Uh, but, yeah, I've been out since I was 19. So you've been out since you were 19. How long have you been out as someone who actually enjoys watching Bravo programming? So once I started working for Bravo, and I actually, uh, and and I mean that, like, you know, I'm not just saying that because Bravo, you know, could be listening. Like, I genuinely love the brand and I love all the shows that come on it. I mean, I watch, I watch some things, not others. It's really hard to keep up. I mean, I watch a lot of reality TV in general. So, you know, we have a lot of programming. I watch all the Housewives. I know all of them. I watch Vanderpump Rules. I watch Andy's show, of course. Um, a little bit of Below Deck, Southern Charm. I used to love Work of Art. Oh, was SJP's of, show. And I, I've told SJP this like several times. I'm like, your show is my favorite show on Bravo. It wasn't, I have to say it was niche. It felt it was different niche. than like Million Dollar Decorators, which I enjoyed. I yes. didn't I didn't stand for work of art. I was more of a, I like that guy who's based in LA who still works with the Kardashians. I forget his name. Something, something or other. Yeah. Like I liked the bougie-ness, waspiness of Million Dollar Decorators. I thought work of art was very like high concept. High, yeah. You know, it was very like intellectual and like understanding art. Um, That's probably I, why I didn't like it yeah probably. I mean you're I mean, too stupid I mean right? I can tell this right now just by looking at you sitting on your couch I didn't want to say it but it's clear how dare it's you it's clear I've come out uh yeah right. I'm a moron yeah I've been a moron since I was 19 <laughs> since birth. um but yeah I really honestly love I'm heavily involved in the programming we have cash cab now we have game shows yeah, cash it's all cab very is very exciting oh I love it it makes you not want to take an uber pool you might see me in some uh video <sighs> inserts with video Holy questions shit. coming up so I hope that you guys all oh DVR the show I'm so obsessed with cash cab um so what's your favorite current uh housewife show to watch current meaning on air like as of today no current meaning like it still exists rest in peace dc and miami okay good 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 question um i for me new york and atlanta are the funniest i'm a jersey girl so I, i'm really like an east coast housewives person okay i've recently gone into beverly hills i watched dallas i love potomac potomac was a breakout season this year Unbelievable. like i thought this season was just absolutely incredible i have the hots for robin and i tell her that all the time 
uh, she knows it. She's like, hey, Darren. I'm like, I love you so much. Um, But for me, like, I will laugh out loud at New York and Atlanta. So here's a question that I posed to AG listeners last night, and I got a lot of interesting responses, which I'll put on IG after this. But who is your... It doesn't need to make sense. Okay. It doesn't mean that they're the best at their job. But okay. who is your like Valentine light of my life? They may fuck up, but I love them anyway. No rhyme nor reason. Spiritual kinship, etc. Yada yada housewife. Who's the person that like you think of and you're like, oh my God, butterflies, like beautiful song melodic song oh my god that's a good question I mean there's a lot of them like because there are some people where I'll turn on them so quickly you know and I'm like ah uh Portia I love yeah um I've been a big Denise Richards fan this season who knew so they cast Denise Richards and I was like this is a mistake you're gonna go super Hollywood she's She's, my housewife she's phenomenal she wears jean shorts and a t-shirt when all of them like Dorit's dressed in like a fucking you know she just wants her costumigos I fucking love her yeah for real um I I'm also like I kind of like Gina from OC like I like the New York vibe. You know, I like that she's really open about the divorce and her husband cheating on her. Um, you know, I've I've got I've definitely grown to love Shannon Storms Bador tremendously. Light of my life. Light of your life, yes. Photo on the coffee table of Storms Bador, baby. Shannon Storms Bador and I just chilling. I love her. Straight chilling at the plaza. She's yeah, just like she's amazing. Um but I, 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 an actual like friend who's like my ride or die is Dolores and Margaret from Jersey. Dolores, who essentially cameoed in the trailer for this season. Yes. I'm slightly concerned because I love her. Mm-hmm. I love her meatball ex-husband. Yes. I love Meatball Jr. Frank Catania. I love Frank and Lil Frankie. Yeah. And I just. Lil am, Frankie's kind of hot. He's like 20. Gorgeous. I don't know how I feel about the next gen of dirt like Gia and Frankie. I, okay, yeah, I feel yeah, yeah. slightly, I have feel, I have mixed feelings about it, Okay, but I'm nervous that she's not going to be the super. We know she's a superstar. We know yeah. she's perfect at this and she's so great going up against Danielle and whomever. I'm nervous that she wasn't so much a feature in the trailer. I'm, I'm nervous that we're not going to see enough of her this season. Well, I mean, you can never get enough of Dolores Catania, but I wouldn't worry about it. This season's going to be really good. I mean, I already know what sort of happens in the finale <gasps> and just like everything now leading up to it is like, it's going to be awesome. Holy shit. Yeah. It's going to be a good season. So your favorite show. So you have a little bit of like a medley, a fun little veggie medley of different people. But your all time favorite show you hear that it's coming. You're so excited is Atlanta, New York, Atlanta, New York. Yeah. Thoughts on Keonce's return. Um, Into it. I mean, listen, I think that she was missed and I think that she she offered a lot to the show. Um. I am curious to see how she works well with the girls now. I'm curious to see Cynthia and Nini, how they interact. Because to me, you know, it was always Nini who was like the Bethany of the show. You know, I mean, I think like it's got Vanderpump for Beverly Hills. You know, everyone's kind of got like one breakout star. But this last season, I just felt like Portia was really just the best. And I I carried the weight of the season on her shoulders. I really do think. And she's funny. And like she just stopped giving a fuck. Like once she got pregnant. Yeah. She just let it all out there. And that's exactly what a housewife should be. And they need to own exactly who they are. And um, I'm curious to see the dynamic with the ladies. How does your relationship with production, the show, Andy, et cetera, change how you watch these shows? Like if you know someone's a monster behind the scenes, how does that affect your potential enjoyment of that person's franchise? Sometimes it can. I mean, it depends on how much of a monster they are. But at the same time, like they're not playing characters. Like this is who they are. Yeah. So like, 
I know, like, I'll give you an example with Bethany, you know, where I think a lot of people are like, the bee is back, you know, and I think a lot of people think that she's bitchy and, and a bitch. Um, I was filming something with Bethany and when her and I were talking and we're walking down the hall and we're gabbing, you know, and she's like, this was years ago. And she was like, Darren, do you know anyone who would be a good assistant? I need a new mm. one. This is post Julie. Uh, this is post-Julie. Yeah, okay. this was a few years ago. Three Got years ago. Okay. So uh, she was like, I need a, a good assistant. And I said, jokingly, how much does it pay? Meaning like, I'll switch yeah, Andy yeah. to you as a joke. I mean, right. I wouldn't leave Andy. I was like, how much does it pay? And she was like, Darren, I'd eat you alive. And I think, and, and 100% true. Mm-hmm. And I would, ne- I could not be her assistant. I am mm-hmm. not qualified to be that type of assistant. Um, but I think her ownership of the fact that she would yeah it says a lot to me you know and it it made me like her it made me like her a lot because I think the worst part about someone is like the not having self not being self-aware right you know even Ramona in this past season who's who's, you know (laughs) definitely one of the bitchier ones on Mm -hmm. on on air um, and off and and off potentially um had growth you know And, and it was funny because during the reunion you know where she was like you know I'm I'm learning and I'm improving. I'm trying not to. And Andy's like, well, you lied five times during this interview. So where's the growth? Like what's happening? But her, her ability, I think to sort of even own it in interviews, you know, she plays the same person on camera as she does off. And as long as you're authentically yourself like that, what I don't like is someone who's a horrible person off camera and sweet as pie on. Like that's not going to fly with me. And I will not, I will not be able to watch you or root for you. Um, but for the most part, they really are all the same. And I mean, granted, they're nice to me, you know, and, and they're nice to me maybe because they like me, maybe because they're nice people, or maybe also because I sort of have an ear into their boss. It's hard to say. Um, but for the most part, I mean, people treat me pretty well. Ramona, Ramona and I have had some, some fun encounters uh, yeah. over the years. Yeah, I did this series called Cease and Assist, which was the point of the, the series was to see if I could assist the other right, Bravo right, right. lebs, you know, if I can assist the king of Bravo. Um, and I went over to her apartment, and she just like, oh my God, we played dress up. She just wrecked me, you know, and she was just like, look at what you're wearing. Like, this is someone appealing. This is someone sexy. Like, I, I, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm a lesbian. She's like, well, clearly. And, uh, but I, you know, I took it all in stride. You know, I thought this was hilarious. And then maybe like two months ago, Captain Sandy, who's a friend of mine, uh, she was like, come out on this boat with me and my lesbian friends. I was like, yeah, okay. So I'm out in the Hamptons on this boat. And we're hanging out, and I'm drunk or whatever. And we go to Shelter Island and mm-hmm. go to Sunset Beach, mm-hmm. and we run into Ramona. And I'm wearing like, you know, a sea dog outfit. You know, I'm wearing like a white tee, blue like oh nylon God. pants. You know, and like sandals, whatever. And I run into Ramona, and I, I start Instagramming. You know, I was like, Ramona, how do I look? Like, did I get? Do you, did I take any of your fashion trips? She's like, you look like a three out of ten. And I was like, a three out of ten? I think you're the only woman to ever call me a three out of ten. And she was like, well, what does that say about you in bed? If you look like this, what does that say oh, about you? Go, oh my god, Christ. I've never gotten any complaints before. And she was like, for the record, you know, your personality is a 10 out of 10, but you look like a three. And I'm Instagramming this. I'm cracking up. You know, I'm just like, fucking, I'm dying. I think this was great content. Amazing. I got so many messages from people being like, you are not a three out of 10. I can't believe she would say this to you. And I was like, that I would take it to heart. And which is really sweet. But I'm like, no, guys, like, I, this is Ramona. Like, this is Ramona at her finest. And like, she can do that, you know, to me. I'm not going to take offense to it. Like, I think it's I think it's hilarious. And I started a charity event three weeks ago, and I go, Ramona, you look gorgeous. You look great. And she goes, it's because I'm feminine, Darren. And I was like, oh, <laughs> God damn, she's killing me here. She's such a monster. But I appreci- but I love it. But I love her monstrosities. Right. That's She's also, there are, I would say, two, possibly three, and I can't think of a third, 
housewives that I would genuinely not want to interview. One, Danielle Staub, because I genuinely believe she's the crypt keeper of Franklin Lakes. Okay, that's she's fair. She's like a black hole of evil. And but I, that's why I would like to interview her. I mean, I've interviewed her before, but I think that... Uh, I don't want her to have my cell phone information. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. I don't that's want fair. her to be able to track I'll, me. I'll, I'll, I'll tell her your cell phone Thank information. Thank you yeah, so no problem. much. Really appreciate that. Um, please do not slide into my DMs. Yeah. Um, and Ramona's the other just because I am so nervous that I like roll in there and she's like, oh, did you not try today? Like, I just feel like she would... She would kill you. She would cut me and I she don't would. think I could take it. Oh, you have to. Like... If you're slighted by Ramona, think of it as like a badge. It's the Nobel Peace Prize of Bravo. (laughs) This is how I see it. I feel like I've taken one for the team. Like, oh my god! I just have a good report. Listen, I like when they make fun of me. I have a pretty good sense of humor about myself. You know, it's all in a good jest, and and I feel like for me, that's a way to disarm someone. You know, they're not going to listen to you until they like you, and and as long as they like me and they and they think that I have a good sense of humor, I'm okay with whatever they say. So we've talked a little bit about casting. We've talked a little about your love. Love hearing about um, Bethany could listen to any kind of story about her forever and ever. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Um, I'm curious just because I've. Seen seen this happen on social media especially in the last year or two where there are some housewife stands that take it to the next level where yeah. it's like if you are not on their team or they feel that you're not on their team they will full-on personally attack you this was the carol bethany thing for me two years ago or whenever that went down were people well i mean i said so i was on team carol and i got you know hate mail from this and i was like guys it's just an opinion like i i just i miss carol Sometimes I just miss Carol. Like, well, I also, a, I also felt like Carol was. I mean, it was like, which side are you going to choose? She, I felt like I understood while she was going through this process, and she was like, I genuinely don't understand what's happening, and she's watching the confessionals that Bethany's saying, and she's like, none of this was made clear to me. I understood, right, her right. perspective. Yeah, but I'm wondering just because this whole thing happened with Sarah Paulson mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks, where Sarah did an interview for Vanity Fair, and she was doing a lie detector test, and they asked her like, who's your least favorite, or, or whatever, blah blah blah, or what do you think of like LVP, and she's under a lie detector and she's like well she wasn't very nice to me and so team lvp has decided to anoint her as like public enemy number one right it's a little weird when people do this and i'm wondering because andy has been the brunt of that you could say specific to lvp but also to others where viewers feel like he's taking a side right so they sort of pounce on him Uh how do you fit into that because obviously you're close with Andy. You're also a Bravo-holic. Right. You probably, you certainly know more about production and things that are happening and, you know, the glory of the edit more than anybody else. You're watching all this stuff go down. Do you have any kind of visceral response to that? Or are you just kind of like, this is a part of playing the game? I mean, I think it's part of the playing the game. I mean, I think people care about Andy's opinion way more than they would ever care about mine. And so I feel a little bit safer of having an opinion um, because I'm not their boss and I'm not the executive producer and I don't give notes on the cuts or anything like that. I certainly watch them. And I see what he does, but he's real. It's more of an HR issue. You know, when he goes on tour with Andy and Anderson, because they do the tour. Right. Someone always asks him, you know, who's your favorite housewife? And he gets yeah. it. He gets it all the time. And, you know, and he's like, oh, I plead the fifth. And Bonnie's like, boo, boo. And they're like, listen, it's an HR issue. I can't just come out and say, like, I like X over X. Like, and he loves them all. You know, I think they all, they really do bring something to the table. I mean, and he, I mean, if you watched my footage on my Instagram of Andy's baby shower I think it just goes to show the rapport oh, that he has with God. all these women regardless of their edit or regardless of, of fights or disagreements that they've had in the past um, but I, I feel like I have a little bit more leeway in what I can say I mean and, and I'm viewing it as a fan 
I'm not viewing it from a production standpoint or editing standpoint. Like to your point before, when I know that maybe they're a little bit bitchy in real life as opposed to on camera. I mean, I watch these cuts as a genuine fan. I, I try not to look at all the inside baseball stuff. I mean, while I know what's going on, I want to enjoy the show as you guys are enjoying the show because I feel like that's how it should be enjoyed and it's a soap opera and I know these women and I have a personal relationship with these women and you know I remember I couldn't get an interview once with Lisa Rinna Mm. and uh, she was really busy behind the behind stage and I was just like I hate Lisa Rinna I can't believe like blah 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 and then I met her like we really got to know each other during the baby shower and she gave me an interview after and I was like one of the only people she gave an interview for and I was obsessed with her and I loved her and like but my opinion towards her changed just from like something that she wouldn't give me because she was literally so busy. And like, I took it as personally offensive. Like I was like, Oh, how could she not, you know? And, um, but I'm a fan of them. Like I, I really do love them. It's hard not to become personally offended yeah. when Bravo celebrities act out, which I've experienced over the course of 127 episodes. Oh yeah. But also sometimes you interview a Bravo lab and it completely changes your opinion of them. Like, what, what? Give me an example. Brandy Glanville, I would say, is an example of someone that I went into an interview with her being like, and people knew because they listened to the show. Yeah. I fucking hate her. She's she crosses a line. She's too dark. She's too toxic. And she like couldn't have been lovelier in the interview. So yeah. after I'm like, OK, I still... <laughs> You're like I love you, but like I. But she was cool, and then there are the people that can be kind of like heartbreakers, where you're like, I really loved you, and you are kind of breaking my heart a little bit. I will say there was a housewife. I I won't say who it was, but there was a housewife where we were in South by Southwest, and this was like 2013. So this is kind of early on in my career, and uh, we were out partying with a bunch of them, and. Someone came up to me and uh, always what I wear. I, I feel like the housewife don't understand that like being a lesbian. I don't know. They like, like It's very confusing to them that I couldn't be into men. Um, but she came up to me and she was shit face drunk. And she was just like, you're never going to get a man dressed the way that you're dressed. And I looked at her in the eyes and I go, well, thank God I'm a lesbian then. And also, I'm not sure I really want to take relationship advice from you. <gasps> And so somebody that's been divorced multiple times. It's just someone who's not good at relationships. I'll tell you after, but you can't. But but like, but like, yeah, right. (laughs) Um, And I just remember being like, do I take offense to this? Like, you know, and and even with the Ramona thing, it's like you have to respect the person in order to respect their opinion. And um, I and I kind of laughed it off. But literally that comment, especially because it happened so early on and because they sort of had the gall to say that, like, I'm supposed to dress a certain way for a man. And like, that's what you're teaching um, the young women who watch the show, that that's that should be like, I have to dress according to their needs, not according to my own personal style, I thought was really heinous. And I thought that was just very vile. And I've sort of hated her ever since. Um, and she should be hated. She sounds like my not favorite that I word, say, a little bit of a cunt. Oh, she was a major cunt. A uh, huge, huge cunt. Uh, you know, some of the Watch What Happens Live people certainly uh, saw it happen. Um, but nothing. I mean, I don't. I, it's fine. I don't cry myself to sleep about everything. It's also interesting that they would say that to to say such like a traditionally ridiculous comment, knowing that perhaps when Housewives started, people were looking at it and they're like, this person has a different like lifestyle than I do. And their perspective is like being a homemaker only and being Alexis Bellino, being super subservient to her husband and watching as these women continue to go on the show, how their philosophies about life themselves, how to be seen as a woman have changed 
drastically. Drastically. Look at Portia. Oh my God. With, um, I can't go to a strip club because God forbid Cordell is going to like lose his mind. And now it's like, she is the strip club. Right. And and we are throwing her, like she is number one. It's been amazing to see. I mean, the only person I can really think of that I feel like, I mean, Kyle and Maurice, who have always had a really good relationship. Nini and Greg have always had a really good relationship. Mm, And well, I mean, they divorced. Except when they divorced. Right. But like, you know, there's reasons to divorce and now getting back together and her ushering him through cancer. Like it's been, a, it's been a growth period. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's always been perfect. I'm sure with Kyle and Mauricio, it hasn't right. always been perfect. Right, right, right. Um, but the fact to kind of go on air and, 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 and sort of be in the firing line of all these people to judge you, you know, I mean, listen there, when Mario and Ramona got divorced, she wouldn't even talk about it at the reunion. You know, she was, you know, Andy was like, well, I didn't go on a reality show to talk about my life. You did, you know, and, and, and you have to talk about it. And now, She's her own person. She realized she could be independent. She realized that she had a lot to offer. She realized that she's gorgeous and she's she's sixty fucking three years old. It's or something. I mean, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. I mean, but she's an independent woman, and to see that even at sixty three, it's it's nice. And and regardless of your opinion of her, she's really come into her own. And I think it's really empowering for women to see that now. Um, and you know, like I I, I I honestly learn something from the women sometimes. It, it, I've always been very independent. I've always had a very good sense of self. Um, but it's nice to see them coming out. I mean, I think Jean is going through it right now. So let's talk a little bit about OC. What uh, are are you a fan of OC? Yes. Do you enjoy watching it? Love it. I, th- I honestly, I really got into it last season, which I know wasn't the. I know. I know. Okay, I'm, I'm I know. judging you. Everyone said that. Even I said it to Andy. He was like, "What?" <laughs> And I was like, I know, but let me just say, if you can make me laugh out loud, like Seinfeld's my favorite show and I can find something that's very funny, but I'm not laughing out loud. I'll just be like, that's funny. You know, I'm like, that's funny. If you can make me laugh out loud, like you have me hooked. And if you remember the first episode of last season, I believe it was season 13, they were at this like uh, ropes course, if you remember. And it was Vicky and Shannon and Tamara. And I think Dodd was there. And Shannon is stepping on Vicky's hand yeah. and Vicky is screaming blood, like blood curdling screams. And she's like, yeah, oh my God. You know, she's like, I didn't know. And she was like, oh. I laughed so hard at my desk. Like I was peeing. Like I was laughing so hard and it, it was so endearing to watch. It's just like, what is going on? I fell in love with them. Like I, I really did. I have to say that's when I fell into a little bit of a hole of hatred for OC. So I'm wow, so okay. I really felt like this is dead. This doesn't exist anymore. Vicky could have and should have been pushed out entirely from the franchise, but they decided to do this weird, awkward reunion, reunion hug. If I'm remembering this correctly, it was not great. Not a great season. Well, she's I, a friend this season. So maybe, Oh, she, your prayers were answered. Amen. Um, but I was not into it. You know, I thought about the, uh, forthcoming OC premiere this season. And I was like, I really do not want to watch this. Potomac has been so exceptional. So phenomenal. Really has been. I really feel like I'm being punished and penalized by watching OC. And yeah. then the last four episodes of Orange County have been so spectacular and so genuinely enjoyable. I don't remember the last time I thought to my, cause I never watched the shows live. I always watch them the next morning. Right. And I don't remember the last time I thought to myself, Oh my God, I'm so excited to watch the new Orange County. And the last four episodes to me have been so amazing. I mean, Dodd and Vicky like making up like that's groundbreaking. And I think it's a really, Speaking of just the hilarity, and I, this was last season as well, when Dodd takes Jolie to her like dance class, mm. and she's laughing at Jolie yeah. during the dance class. Again, 
I peed my pants laughing. I thought that was, and she's like, you know, she gets her musical theater from her father. I was just, I was like, this is great. This is fucking real. This is fucking great. I love this cast. I love these women. Like, they're just, you know, they're in this part of California that's very Republican. And, you know, I mean, I know men, most of them are Republican. Most of them are. Sorry. Uh, you know, Ramona voted for Trump and, and Sonia voted for Trump. And they were in a Lou very, very, blue, you know, right. in a very, very blue state. And just, yeah. you know, I think how that plays out is really good for people that you you can sort of like someone and not necessarily agree with them and 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 kind of think that they're vile. But all, it's like a bad smell. Sometimes you can't stop smelling sometimes. And I think that's really good for people to see that. You know, we always just say that. Uh, housewife sometimes is a brain vacation you know from the, the rest of the world like this is this is what's nice to see and uh it, it was honestly like watching Dodd and Vicky you know all they needed to do was like the moment they looked at each other in their eyes did you notice this like they had been like avoiding each other's eye contact they made eye contact one person said like I think you're really beautiful fight had ended decades of fighting had just ended like Sometimes all you need to do is just humble yourself and apologize and like life can be better. And I think it was a really good moment. Uh, I thought it was really, really impactful. And now they are mortal enemies. Uh, yes. Once again. Well, which... I never said it was going to last. I just said <laughs> for that moment, it was nice. Did you think that was a genuine moment between the two of them? Yeah, I do. Because I don't think that they owe it to anybody else. I don't, I don't think that they owed it to anyone to not have a genuine moment. There was no real incentive to do that, considering they've been mortal enemies and are mortal enemies again. I, I, I don't see why it wouldn't have been genuine. I actually found myself last week, maybe the week before, certainly this week, I couldn't be more fascinated by the fractured relationship between Gina and Emily. I think yeah. it is so real, so genuine. Yeah. I think they're each other's ride or die. You know, when you start a cast with someone else, you know, especially OC, which excludes some, you know, Shannon's known to sort of exclude the newest members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it can be really isolating and really clicky. And I think that they really found friendship in each other and now come back together you know, especially for Emily, less so Gina this season, uh, it's really her only lifeline into the group, it feels like. Right. And for Emily, my God, I mean, first off, I feel so bad for her sometimes. I feel so bad for her sometimes. I'm also like, you are choosing to stay with this person oh who God, seemingly genuinely dislikes you. When she's like, he's not bothered a bit by how, what people are saying him about the show. I believe that 100%. I think he really doesn't give a shit about anyone, most especially his wife. Yeah. And so for me, I'm like, okay, cool. So we're all thinking you're going to get a divorce. Meanwhile, this might just be your relationship as it is. And for whatever reason, you guys are comfortable with it or you understand that it's fucked, but you're not willing to make a move or whatever else and then I'm watching what happened with Gina and Emily specifically this week because they're both two women in pain mm -hmm. they're both sort of reacting to situations with spouses estranged or together that are seemingly super unhealthy yeah and then Gina decides to take the word of Shane's cousin who tells her he's unavailable to go on a date with her because of his toe and then says, by the way, I have a girlfriend and um, Shane and Emily both know about it. And for whatever reason, Gina just on its face is like, I totally I believe even you pick up the phone call from Emily. And it, Emily's like, I didn't have any idea if she would just let me say this for two seconds. Like, right. If he's misrepresenting having a girlfriend before and he's lying to you, why are you believing him only when it seems like your very, very good friend is maybe using you a little bit it doesn't make any sense and there would me. be no incentive for emily to lie to gina about it like right. even when they're all sitting at dinner together having that pig you know it's like they could have said something then like they like shane it's shane's responsibility i mean 
It didn't make any sense to no. me. The other thing that did not make any sense to me was a moment that happened online in like the last day or so. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. Emily has that moment at Cup Fitness, which was to me really, really powerful to put yourself on camera, especially when you know that people are calling her fat and shaming her for her weight, which by the way, she isn't. Now, granted, I understand that he said like, oh, it's considered obese due to her body fat content, yeah. but she's not enormous. You know, she's She's she, she could be healthier, of course, but she's not enormous. And to do that in front of Orange County and Tamara and the rest of the world is hard. And I didn't think that um, I didn't think that Eddie handled that moment poorly. I actually thought like, OK, he's handling this, this well. He's communicating effectively. What, I agree. What annoyed the fuck out of me was the fact that Emily has since tweeted and said, listen, I told production not to record the number on the scale and the fact that that number was shown which to me is so triggering to women a little surprised yeah I mean it was like why do you isn't it enough that she's saying she's embarrassed and enough that she's saying she wants to look at this number when she gets home why on earth did you think that that number was helpful to show to millions of people because p.s. one person's it's all about how you see yourself. Someone else could, um, their goal weight could be the number that Emily's at now. It really, right. the, the number itself doesn't matter, but it felt like it's so shameful to people who may feel weird about weighing more than she does. It's like the number to me so deeply didn't matter. Plus the fact that if she's actually saying she's uncomfortable with that number being shown on camera, why the fuck are you showing it? And then there's a Twitter battle between Emily and Tamara, because as you said, somebody, you know, a, a a viewer reaches out and says, you know, Emily's not obese at whatever percentage body fat, shame on Tamara and Eddie. And she's this person's she or he is listing the percentages for what is healthy, overweight and obese. And P.S. Obese is a word that is a shocking term. We use right. it. It's not my 600 pound life. Like right. everyone thinks it's like you got to be 700 pounds. It's, it's not. not. It's not. It's a BMI thing. It's, right. it's not. And BMIs, I think, are slightly ridiculous. I don't think that people should be at home Googling their BMI I don't think that's going to be helpful to anyone at all in life so anyway so this person tweets and is like Emily's not obese Emily tweets back and says thank you Tamara sees this having not been tagged neither of them were tagged I believe it was just the person used um, the OC hashtag Tamara responds and says, you are unbelievable. We try to help you. And I've seen multiple tweets of yours that are not nice. Eddie spent over an hour with you talking health and nutrition. No one made you get on the scale. You love playing victim and it's getting old. Emily responds and says, I simply said thank you to someone who said I wasn't obese. That's all. If you want to read more into it, that's on you. Tamara says, that's not all you've said. And then blocks Emily. And it felt like, first off, this isn't your fight. Number two, Whether or not, I don't even want to get into a discussion of like what's considered obese or not, because I actually thought Eddie handled himself really well as like like a medical professional would, you know what I mean? Where doctors like, here's your numbers. This is considered this. He didn't say you're fat and obese. He was just like, it's considered obese. Right. But not, he wasn't being like, this is disgusting. He was like, I just want you to get your numbers healthier. That was it. I thought he handled it very, very well. And Tamara losing her fucking mind. It's not helpful because I thought Eddie was enough of a pro that it's like you 
freaking out over this tweet. Right, right, it's right. not enough for me. And I also felt like for Emily to say thank you to that person. Well, I was like, what's she going to say? Fuck off? No, I'm obese. Like, what's she going to say? I mean, it felt like a whole bunch of nothing. And then it feels like playing victim. I mean, what is worse for someone to weight shame you or someone to call you Shrek? I would go for the yeah. Shrek not being a great moment. Yeah, me too. So what the hell is Tamara talking about? She, yeah. It's like she's digging a grave for Eddie. I mean... No, no disrespect to the heart issues, but it's like it feels a little bit like she's digging a grave that's not appropriate for Eddie Judge in this scenario, because I don't think he did anything wrong on camera. I think if there's anything to say, it's the number wasn't helpful to anybody and didn't need to be shown. I'm sure it'll come up at the reunion and hopefully Emily will have a chance to, you know, say her piece. But also, Tamara, you're like sucking your husband down into this vortex that's completely unnecessary. Yeah, that seems like a battle that doesn't involve her. Let me just say to the be the devil's advocate yeah, for the number on the it. screen. And I haven't talked to anybody about this. And, okay. and I was surprised actually just as a fan seeing it yeah, that yeah, they yeah. showed the number because I yeah. didn't think that they would because yeah. she had sort of said on camera like, I'll look at this at home. I don't yeah. want to do this, you know. Yeah. But let me just say this. When you sign up to do a reality show about your life. No, it's no, it, no, I know. When you sign up to do that, I you know, know, you're you're you have to go through the divorces and the deaths and the things that make you really, really vulnerable. You know, people look at this and they're just saying like all the money and the glamour and the fame. There's absolutely a dark side to doing this. You're, you know, you're opening yourself up to so much judgment. And the reason, a reason why it might not be so bad to show the number, is to sort of show that we all have our own standards. We all have our own, you know, issues with our weight or our body. You know, I grew up hating my body and you know now I like it and and it, it and it I, I think it's really important for the people to see that for her 191 I think was the weight yeah um is it, you know one's man's trash is sort of another man's treasure and if she's gonna do this and if she's gonna feel this way about herself because listen it's I'm not saying that 191 is obese or anything like that I reserve my own judgments for myself I don't really judge other people's body but for her it might be and for her to have that um, you know, vulnerability being shown on camera. I think it's really good for people to see that like, it's okay to think that you want to get healthier at 191. Like, and it's okay for other people to say like 191 is really not that bad. Like, I think it's a really important form of discussion. I don't think people should judge her or shame her on either side of it. Um, but for Emily also to tell production, you know, she doesn't want it shown, you know, you are signing up to, you know, show these aspects and show the ugly sides of this stuff. And I don't think that I, I you know, I think that anyone at their worst moment doesn't want to be a reality TV star, but they are. And and that's something that they that they knew going into it. I also feel like I talked about this with Caroline Stanbury a couple weeks ago, which is I asked her, was there ever a moment where you said to production, um, this is a thing that I don't want shown in the show. Is there any way? And she's like, no, that would be the exact worst idea because they'll show it. The second you tell them, don't show it. They're going to be like, oh, this is meaty. This is interesting. This is going to get a reaction. That's what they're going to use. Right. The second that you sort of put news to something, you know what I mean? Is the moment that they're going to show it because that's the show. That's the point of the show. It's the point is to have these discussions. Like that's what's making it happen. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, we don't want to give weight to any story that's coming out. And sometimes we won't respond to certain things because then that makes it matter. The moment you say you don't want something, first off, you're not a producer on the show. Yeah. Your talent. You're not a producer. Like we got this covered and, you know, Bravo doesn't want to, I I do think that they treat their um, talent very, very well. And, you know, Bravo of all things, I mean, is not the type of network to shame anybody. I think that we just show the truth. And then I think that we let other people decide for that. But Bravo certainly wasn't in the position of like, yeah, let's show our way to embarrass her I don't think it was like that at all do you ever feel those calls from the Bravo Lebs when they're like I'm losing my mind about this one thing I'm really angry and you're the gatekeeper to AC I used to be um now less so I used to be in fact I was actually one of the first people 
to tell one of the heads of the uh, heads of production on um on OC that uh Taylor Armstrong's husband killed himself I was oh, one Jesus. of the first people to find out and I'm having a conversation with the guy on the phone wait to would, OC or Beverly Hills sorry what was Taylor in Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills uh I don't know why I said OC it's probably because we're, we're talking, talking about, about it OC. um and I found out and I'm at the office and uh this guy named Dave uh, calls me and we're talking. He's like, what up, Carp? Like, we always talk. And he says my last name. And he, I was like, oh, nothing. I mean, aside from the fact that Russell just committed suicide. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, you didn't know? Like, this just happened. He was like, I got to go, Carp. And I was like, I broke the news to him. And, like, I was fielding this stuff. I mean, certainly when I see them in person, they come at me with a lot of things. But uh, every one of them, I think, has Andy's cell phone number. So thank God he has to deal with it on his own now. It just reminds me. I don't know why talking about Emily reminds me of this. But there are certain housewives that I think are really so helpful to franchises who might be monsters behind the scenes. Okay. And it's not that I had this conversation, I think, actually with my roommate last night because I talk about it constantly but like when it comes to New York obviously there's this like there's a space that's left behind because Bethany quit so suddenly right before production and you hear about certain housewives that might want to return yeah (laughs) maybe they have access to Andy's like cell phone number Mm -hmm. and password Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know banking mobile pin and I just wonder when it we see the best part of people on camera and also the worst. Yeah. But when it comes to like behind the scenes, Michigas, mm-hmm. shall we I say? see where you're going with this. I just wonder how important is them behaving poorly behind the scenes when you factor in, should this person return, shall we say? Well, listen. Come back flying in on, I don't know, a Zarin rug? Uh, yeah, oh, or, or a Zarin fabric rug. <laughs> Any know. fabric. Like, um, how important is that and how and how involved have you been in the past with, like, troubleshooting those people? Only a few things uh, here and there. Nothing too major. Again, I think people care about Andy more than me. I mean, I'll certainly field calls to go to Andy, but uh, he's, he's the guru here. Um listen people think that I get emails all the time of like cast me in this cast me in that and while you may be compelling and you might be gorgeous and you might have a lot of uh things going for you that people want to watch the thing that makes the housewives the housewives and so successful is that these people are all friends yeah you know and they all have relationships Mm -hmm. and and you know uh Carrie um in Dallas Mm. might be friends with you know was friends with Cameron or friends with Stephanie but she might not have known Brandy and that's okay but you you know like Dolores with Teresa like they had been friends for 25 years and like that made sense it It, matters it helps you know and like for Vanderpump to leave you know I think when you're not friends with any of the women, that's not compelling TV to watch. You know, right. it's not watching one person here and then the six other women being like clicky, clicky, clicky. They don't want that. You need to sort of have this like, you know, uh, thoroughfare into the group. And when you're not, and I'm not saying this is Jill Zarin or anything. I'm just saying in general, I think how you interact with the women off camera and how people are going to react to you on camera very much so matters Yeah, uh, because it's real. It's not, I mean, they view it as their job, which it is, but, but those, you know, it's not like if no one knew Jill Zarin and then she came in and the audience is aware of her, that's not compelling TV. You know, we want to see that Dorinda has known her for 15 years and maybe, you know, she was at Bobby's funeral and maybe they got into a fight or maybe they did this or maybe they did that. Like 
they need some sort of thread in DNA to keep it going. And so it does matter off camera. I think it raises the stakes. So while Gina and Emily may have become very close through the show, knowing that they were IRL at this point, really good friends and watching that fracture raises the stakes. Right. Deandra and Leanne. Yeah, knowing that, that was big. Knowing that Leanne was the maid of honor, matron of honor, whatever, at Deandra's wedding. And now they're like weird She's frenemies. She's not inviting to her like fucking bridal shower. Completely you know? right. raising the stakes. Jill and Ramona sort of hate each other their yeah. frenemies for many many years raises the stakes right which is why just to pivot a little bit away from Ocean into Dallas I don't totally understand Carrie with a K because she doesn't seem to have any organic friendships with these women and while she might be a perfectly wonderful person yeah in real life and God bless her for that like kudos your house in Mexico is phenomenal oh my god that house phenomenal phenomenal not like the best I've seen the best I've the one best of the, one of the best it's one, up there it's very good it was great but all that aside like you have money you have access I don't see enough there there is no existing friendship that we can add tension to to make into the kind of season that I think Dallas really required at this point because it hasn't quite caught on. It hasn't. It just literally hasn't caught on with it hasn't the majority. It's the Potomac season, essentially. Right, yeah, and yeah. who can be? But, I mean, the whole thing with Potomac, Giselle and Karen, Ashley and everybody else, the whole Michael Mishigas, which is yeah. an episode in and of itself. There are at Robin. There are actual relationships that these women have that when they fight with each other, there is a real battle going on right. and there are actual stakes and it's like D- Dallas needed to have a really strong season and I love Dallas I love watching Dallas but I look at like the cameo that old Carrie made this week and yeah. I look at new Carrie and I'm like why did we substitute why did we like even exchange Carrie's because old Carrie whether or not she's like friendly with Leanne right now they had huge battles between them I know and then she like planned that whole thing and it's like I think it was Brandy or, or someone who said it's yeah. like here we are like a year later where they like, sworn mortal enemies and now they're like friends at a party that that DeAndre's not even invited to it's you know like crazy that's crazy I I would say give Carrie a minute I mean I've given her a couple episodes I know you got to give it sometimes a season let it let it let it happen let it over overflow you and just and let it marinate for a minute okay well while we're marinating we do this thing called satchels of gold in honor of her holiness Kelly Cloran Ben Simone which yes. are listener questions from KKB. AGs all over KKB um, and I have a satchel of gold from Josh in Seattle who says I wish I could deep dive conversation with you on Dallas well Josh guess what it's about to happen um, the dynamic of the cast relationship are incredibly fascinating because where the show and reality intersect the rules change when you look at Leanne and Deandra their relationship was built on the dynamic that Deandra has clout and society influence so she reigns supreme and Leanne's role in the friendship was to be the giver supporter etc then the show comes along and completely flips everything upside down with the show Leanne has all the power popularity notoriety etc and Deandra is trying to keep her alpha status above Leanne based on history and real life but when the show comes into the equation the show will always trump real life now that Leanne for the first time probably ever is able to be just as important if not more than Deandra she will never be able to fall back into her role as the lesser powerful friend lesser powerful lesser powerful friend that's why the relationship will never work out moving forward and the same thing happening is happening to Cameron as well she's frustrated and confused trying to navigate the show and in real life she's untouchable and well respected 
on the show. People like Brandy have more power than she does. And that's a tough pill to swallow for someone like Cam or Deandra. Again, the show will always overrule society. And that's why it's so interesting to see these relationships play out. The society girls come in thinking society rules will make them automatically top dogs in reality TV, but it doesn't. Watching them struggle through that is what makes it so interesting. That's a very perceptive point. Uh, mighty long um it, it, it was uh it was perceptive though i think, I, think I love listen, a long it, satchel it's it's a it's definitely a power dynamic and it's definitely definitely a power struggle and i think you sort of you know even when the ladies like get upset about who's gonna sit next to andy at the reunion i mean oh. that, and that's a thing you know it's yeah. kind of like who the fuck you know what i mean i'm like who the fuck would give a shit but it matters you know and i think it does go to show like who's got the storylines that are you know the most compelling who are they gonna who's the camera gonna turn to uh more often than not and so um, yeah, I think watching them sort of do that, you know, especially in Dallas, which is very much so a society, you know, and it's very much so like debutante and, you know, you look at, uh, you look at Cameron and just like the way that her life is compared to Brandy, um, is interesting. And, you know, Brandy certainly was upset about someone calling her trash just in the way that she sort of grew up in a trailer. And, you know, you really see that and, and, and you sort of see someone who can be really wealthy now and, and have a lot of influence and be a really good mom and, and so sweet, be triggered by something that maybe isn't someone else's trigger. And uh, I definitely think a power struggle is absolutely real. I think that uh, I think that when the women aren't on camera, those things definitely are affecting what is happening on camera. And it is important to think about that. But that is a very good satchel of gold. Right? Josh yes. in Seattle. Good job, Josh in Seattle. Josh, I really don't have anything to add to it except mazel to you. Yeah, mazel to you. Can I ask you one unrelated question sure. before we wrap yes um or we could just continue forever and ever amen what are the rumors these there are rumors circulating that there is a new fran- franchise being born much like jesus mm-hmm. more important really mm-hmm. as the next um god amongst men mm-hmm. are there rumors are the rumors true that there is a franchise there's definitely rumors i will say that we have seven franchises right now mm-hmm. and so it's uh I feel like our plate is full our cup runneth over with uh the amount of housewives that we have right now um uh, you know, I would say never say never. There's always a possibility for it. The rumors are definitely there, but nothing, nothing that I know of. Fascinating. Yes. Okay, great. Darren Carp, tell the people where to follow you, where to yes. buy tickets to this magical Halloween show. Yes. Uh, thank you so much. You can follow me on all my social medias at Carpe Darren, C-A-R-P-E-D-A-R-Y-N, which <laughs> is really just one. my name backwards, but Phenomenal. it does work out very, very well. Uh, please get a ticket link to my show in Boston. If you want to hear some scary stories on Halloween, we'll be at the Wilbur on Halloween. It's bit.ly slash mmboston. It is in my uh, Instagram handle. Please come and see it. And uh, yeah, I've got a bustle series. I've got a lot, I've got a lot of stuff coming out. Oh my God. Um, I just came out with unexpert advice with Darren Carp. So check it out. Let me know what you guys think. And thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Darren, appreciate it. this has it. been a total pleasure. I can't wait to have you back on the People's People's Couch. I would love to be a part of it. Phenomenal. Okay, guys, tell us your thoughts and feels. And we'll kiki. Oh, right. Um, Twitter at Sarah Kelly. Yeah, nice. Instagram nice. at Dame Kelly. Get the fuck off the You place. know it. I'm barely whatever. Um, barely alive. I mean, right? Yeah. But you've got my pulse racing. Yeah, With good, so girl. much insight. Okay, guys, um, tell us your thoughts and feels, and we'll kiki with you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye.